Hello out there, wherever you are. I'm Dana. And I'm Megan. And once more, this is Scary Stories to Tell Your Sister. Sister of mine, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I mean, when I first had started researching this, I always like, kind of write down notes to tell you, like what's new with me, so like I have like a basis to go off of. Yeah. And I was talking about how the weather here, like false spring, it's called up here in the north, because Fal- we've had- wait, false f a l s e. Yeah. Okay. So false. Spring, and it's when the weather is unseasonably warm in like the winter time. So we, I mean, like sixties in February, you know, in January. And I know it's not the best thing all around as a sign for the climate, but being able to like open the windows when it's sunny and have the candles lit is like a small break for my spiral. With the kids being sick, now I'm sick, and. Just thinking about how, like, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about weather balloons being mistaken for UFOs, and now there's been, like, four unidentified things and spy balloons shot down over North America in the past two weeks. I know. And there's been that, and there's been, like, the all the chemical toxic events things that have been happening. It has um, been a wild couple of weeks. It's been insane. And I don't say that lightly. Like with Right. With like the trains, the like there's there was like three giant chemical spills in like a oh. week sp- span. I know. How insane is that? We had like two Ohio and somewhere in North Carolina as well. And then an apparent alien sighting in Australia. Have you seen that video? No, but I heard of another sighting in where was it? I forgot where it Yes. Yes. I heard of that, and then this is all rumors, but there was this woman on TikTok who was getting her nails done, and they had on the news, but it was, I think it was China, yeah, in China, so the news was some sort of Chinese news, and she's listening to it, but obviously she doesn't understand what's going on, so she puts on her translator on her phone on, Oh yeah, and yeah. you heard, did you hear this already? No, I haven't. And apparently it translated to the Chinese discovering like uncharted land that is filled with dinosaur bones or something. Not, uh, (laughs) obviously I don't know. I don't think it's, well, I don't know if it's true because I haven't heard anything else about it. And the, the woman she said that was doing her nails confirmed that, that's what they were saying. But I don't know. I haven't heard anything of like uncharted land. Yes. yes. I mean, I'm I'm I think I'm more surprised by the land aspect than the dinosaur bones aspect of it all. Right. But the dinosaurs are still <laughs> Yeah. I have the video. I'll find it later. Like every day when I wake up, 
not first thing in the morning because that's too much. But in the morning, I'm like, let me just check the news to have like my ear to the ground to know what's going on, you know. And then I check it and I'm like, oh, maybe I should take my ear off the ground. Because there's always something else. And sometimes it's not even on the news. It's on t- and I'm scrolling my for you page on TikTok. It's crazy. It has been just like, wild. But that's where I said the person about Tucson. She's like, oh, we're in a shelter in place in Tucson. I'm like, what? Because the chemical crashed there. And then someone was like, if you're near Ohio, you know, don't drink the water. So this person, like, she made coffee. Yes. And she poured her milk into the coffee and it, like, sizzled. Yeah. Now, have you ever poured, like, a non-dairy creamer or something into your coffee? Yeah. I use oat milk creamer, so. Did it ever sizzle for you? No, it it bubbles sometimes if it's like a you know a drastic difference of temperature. Okay, That's the difference between the bubbling and like that like kind of like fizzing. Yeah, her sizzle. I was gonna say her sizzle was a lot more than like the, the fizz. Oh, the the fizz, right? Yeah, I saw another video of this this family or this couple. They, I think it was like in a creek, and they were showing how the creek looked totally normal. And I think this was in Ohio. And they threw a rock into the creek. And as soon as they did that, all of like those oil, you know, the rainbow oil. Yeah. All started popping up everywhere. Because it's settling into the water. And I'm like, well, that's great. It's going to settle into the water and get into like the the groundwater. What the actual fuck? And like that groundwater, like it like... The Ohio Basin, where a lot of the stuff is, affects a huge amount of people, not just in, like, East Palestine, Ohio. And it affects, like, which, I mean, not to say that, like, they're not important. Like, they are important. But, like, it affects at a larger scale. People are like, oh, it's not near me. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It affects a lot more, like, livestock. Pet- yeah. Like, you're, you're, safe, you're safe to go back. Like, my pet died. What do I'm safe to go back? Something happened. Right. Yeah, this one girl, her, she was working like a little bit outside of where it happened and she has been affected. Her eyes were like turning really red because of just the fumes. Yeah. And I think someone was saying that, oh, we won't know the full effect of it for 10 years. Oh my God. Well, this doctor did say to anybody living in those areas, go get physical, go get checked now. Now, 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 as a baseline. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I remember we saw a thing with Aaron Brockovich. She was like, no, we have people, you know, on the ground. And, like, I'm, you know, finding out what I can about it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, like, doing great. Doing great. Oh, my goodness. But, no, I went to a nice, a really nice author event last night. And that was lovely. It was. Oh, yeah. You never told me about it. I didn't get a chance to talk to you last night. No. Yeah. It was really great. We didn't go out to eat afterwards because it was a long week. <laughs> Towards the end of the week, it was a long week for other personal things. I was I was not going through, but I was a part of it. I won't get into. That's not my circus, but somehow I'm a monkey wrangler. So. Not with my job, though. Job's great. Kids are a little sick, but that's fine. And I have their little cold. But so we said not to go out to dinner because we said, you know what? Let's just go out to this event. Ferris is in boarding. 
We'll go to we'll go to the book thing, and then we'll pick up Taco Bell on the way home and make a night of it because Taco Bell for a comfort thing and it was yummy. Because our our original reservation for dinner was nine thirty, but I don't know what past Dana was thinking that that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a great author event. We got our book signed. It was really nice. It really inspired me and Abby to kind of get you know our butts into gear more so because we're working on a book and we're almost done with like the big big chunk of editing and it just felt like so like surreal like one day we could be up there you know fingers crossed heck yes you totally can so it was really nice and Uh, you will just thank you 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 heard it here first and it was like a sign because we had talked about talk about and then we get to the bookstore, the little independent bookstore here that we love. Not little. It's great. We love it. And right across the street from it is like a new Taco Bell, like cantina store. Oh, and I really? was like, yes. Wait, what's a Taco Bell cantina store? So I guess like I didn't really go in. I ordered ahead online because I was like, I don't want to get out of the car again because like it was in Brookline, which is like a little like little away from Boston. Not like gonna triangulate it myself, but parking there is always a pain. Yeah. And I was like, I don't wanna have to try to like find a parking spot again and like pay for more parking because my meter expired at like 8 30 and I couldn't make it further for some reason. And so I ordered online and we'll pick it up. So I've been in the obviously it was really pretty inside and really nice. But I think the cantina stores are more like restaurant quote unquote style Taco Bell. Interesting. Um, yeah. So there's that. Let me see. I can look it up real quick. Here, typing for you. Well, while you're looking it up, I was doing some last minute touches on my story today. Mm-hmm. And I was laying on the couch, cozy with Todd laying on me. And all of a sudden, there was this knock at the door. And it scared me so bad. I yelped. Because- Shut up. Because I was so scared. And when I when Ray answered it, it was his friend. They're going to like some shindig tonight. Okay. And he said that I sounded like a dog. <laughs> you yelled? Because I yelped. Yeah. Okay, so they also, so they have, they have breakfast. I think the other things, I think some of them have, like, custom order things. I don't know. I feel like it, like, it's like a more restaurant cantina style. So it's, like, it looks different. Okay. And they have, they're open late. They have delivery. They have breakfast. So it's different style. So what um, you get? Oh, I got nachos, which they actually had shredded cheese on these nachos, too. And Abby said, these taste different. She goes, I think it's the tomatoes. <laughs> she goes, they taste like tomatoes. <laughs> I feel like I'm eating a vegetable. That is so funny. And I got nachos, and I got my Crunchwrap Supreme. Ooh, I really want a taco now. They're so good. Do it, do it, dude. It's great. It's worth it. I know it is. It is. It really is. And then whenever we go there, we get the Baja Blast Mountain Dew. Oh, God. It's so good, Megan. I don't, I just don't think I ever liked it, and I cannot have that at night. Yeah. 
we had no child. We had no dog to walk in the morning or at night. So, so you were wild. You were wild, wild. free last night. Yeah, free. Fa- footless and fancy free. Taco Bell, Mountain Dew, under the blankets, <laughs> watching. I think Abbott Elementary we watched last night. Oh, nice. Oh, have you seen? No, there's. Watched, oh, sorry. Go ahead. We watched Pretty Little Liars. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is so funny. Have you seen? There's this new show on Netflix called Lockwood and Co. No, I hear that's based on a book series. It is. Yeah, it is. I, I haven't have read com- the books. Is it good? I watched the first episode last night, and it was good. I am like, okay, this is definitely a binge-worthy show. So I think after we get done, I might get myself some Tuck Bell and watch some Lockwood. Oh, that sounds so great. Yeah, it's it kind of reminds me of, I never watched it, but I know a lot of you probably have Supernatural, like what I would suspect Supernatural would be like, but also okay. kind of like Nancy Drew. Um, and... uh, okay, yeah, Nancy Drew, the new Nancy Drew is more Supernatural. Have you heard, have watched Nancy Drew? I think, right, not right, me, Skylar, and Rachel started watching it moons ago. But mm-hmm. we never really finished it. I don't think that we got into the supernatural or seeing anything supernatural. Oh, the whole entire thing is that way. Okay. It is so good. Abby and I binged it all. We love Nancy Drew. Is it still on? I think so. I think I think it was renewed for another season. Oh, um, okay. So, no, definitely watch it. I think it is it on HBO or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, it is so good. Okay. And it is definitely more supernatural. Okay, don't tell um, me anything. Yeah. So it's really good. Good. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think the new season, because it, it, it had, I think, three seasons so far. And the last one ended last year. Okay. So I think the new one should be coming out soon, hopefully. It better be. I heard it was renewed for season four. Oh wow and it's line and it's all, yeah so it's, apparently it's coming out in may of this year so okay wow catch up huh. with it love it if you guys and also i gotta add lockwood and co to our ever long list of things to watch yeah i know abby's not a really big watcher of tv she also says that like if it wasn't for me she'd be like i don't need a tv I think that's a lie, but sometimes I feel the same way. I love media. I love music. I love books. I love movies and shows. I just love that aspect of like escapism and just like the comfort of them. Yeah, uh, I, I know I'm not that way. I like to rewatch things. I yeah. think more than like watching new things because I get really overwhelmed with trying to find something. That I usually just end up not watching anything. No, absolutely. I was telling Abby, I was like, the first time in like forever, we're watching something as it's new as we watched like The Last of Us. And we're still only episode two, I think, I think five have come out. So we're not really with the people yet. <laughs> but like, I think the only new things we really watch are The Last of Us and Abbott Elementary. Okay. Yeah. Ray watches some of that. He likes it. We love Abbott. Of course, he was the teacher. He'd especially like it now. Yeah. But we watch Abbott. We watch like Modern Family and Pretty Little Liars for like background, like fun, like easygoing thing. 
and then we watched Unsolved Mysteries. And yeah, and I want to watch Grace and Frankie. Not Grace and Frankie. I know it. I don't even say it. Ginny and Georgia. Sorry, <laughs> I'm not all there mentally, physically, emotionally. Yeah, Ginny and Georgia. It's so like a G show on Netflix. We watched Grace and Frankie. Love Grace and Frankie. Um, yeah, Grace and Frankie. Not another Pearl. Ginny and Georgia. And I still haven't seen Wednesday. The oh, okay. So I want to see Wednesday at some point. I don't know if Abby will see it or not. So maybe I can watch it on my Wednesdays off. Wednesday for Wednesday. You should. Um, right? But she wants to watch Ginny and Georgia. And I want to make her watch Lockwood and Conan too. So maybe we'll do that. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. So what do you got for me, Megan? Because right. we all know, if you go remember, mine's a two-parter from last week. But Megan's is all new. I'm great. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, Dana's, the first half is on that episode. This is the second half. So maybe go listen to the first half first. Or listen to Megan's first. It'll be super fun and exciting. And then I'll give you a little recap of mine too. So, All right. So this story begins in 2006 at a mansion known as Fox Hollow Farm. Ooh. These are the experiences of one family. And also... One other person that lived on the property as well. Do you have you heard of Fox Hollow Farm, Dana? No, but I love the name of it. It sounds like something I would have read as a child, like my fairy spider wick book. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. This is not nice though. Okay, never mind. Husband. <laughs> yeah, don't. Husband and wife Rob and Vicky Graves are looking for a home for their family. They have two teenage sons, and they're hoping to find a home with more room than the one that they're currently residing in. So Rob, like anyone would be, is excited to find a hell of a deal for this property up for sale known as Fox Hollow Farm. I always say if I ever see a really good deal on something, I'm like, it's haunted. Something bad happened here probably. Right. Right. I know. Yeah. Are there any, like, triggers or anything for this episode? Oh, thank you, Dana. I meant to do that. Yes, there are. Triggers for suicide, sexual assault, and murder? I don't know. Yeah, okay. Okay, thank you. No, no problem. When they arrive at the property for the first time, Vicky is taken with how gorgeous the 18-acre estate is. Uh-huh. And it sits on a lot surrounded by so many large trees. That sounds beautiful. I know. The home even featured like an indoor pool in the basement, which I've never heard of. Absolutely not. Sorry. I don't like. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of sounds strange, but the pool is so large. It's 18 by 36 feet. Not big. Oh, wow. Also, I think you said it, but where is this located again? Fox Hollow Farm in, where is it? Where is it, guys? Indiana. Okay. Because I think I was thinking to myself, I was like, okay, it's a huge estate, but where is it located? Like, how far away am I from, like, neighbors? Because I always think to myself, I would love to live in, a, like, a semi-secluded place. Mm-hmm. The nighttime comes, and I'm like, I need my neighbors right next to me. <laughs> right. And, Dana, so. this house is gorgeous. Okay. At least from the pictures that I have here. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. I'll send you the pictures later, but I won't yeah. do that yet. You can post it on the on our Instagram as well so people can see it as well. 
Okay. So the family is looking at this property. It's gorgeous. Even with all of the desirable aspects of the home, Rob is curious about it. It was the seal of the deal. Like you said, nobody had been living in it. And something about this home seemed really familiar. No. In time, it dawns on him that this house bears a striking resemblance to a home seen on the news years before. A home that belonged to notorious serial killer Herb Baumeister. But not being certain, he asks his realtor. And he receives confirmation that it did indeed belong to Baumeister and was the reason it was being sold for such a reasonable price. Now, I just want to stop you here and ask you, A, could you live in a home where someone died? B, could you live in a home where a murder or, in this case, murders took place? No. For either? I've been trying to think about it. I definitely... If you think about it, odds are of you being in a place, either like house, hotel, someplace where someone has passed away, is pretty high. Mm-hmm. As higher than you would like to think it is, maybe. So, I think that it depends on how okay they died, I think. Yeah. I say maybe on that now, but... One of the things that drew me to our current apartment is that it was just recently transformed from an old, like, historic factory into apartments. So no one ever lived here before. So it's like, nothing's been touched. Nothing's this. So, yeah. it felt, so I was like, this is really nice. And then, like, recently I had to go handle something where a, a family acquaintance's pet had passed away. And I went into the house to, 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 like, do something, and it was only me, and I was so freaked out. Oh, really? I was more freaked out than I thought I would be. But it could have been more of a situation that I wasn't, like, fully, you know, mentally prepared for. But so I'm like, maybe I'd be okay. Maybe I wouldn't be okay. Because I even couldn't handle animal aspect of it, let alone human. Yeah. But definitely not a serial aspect of it. And now that you said the name of the guy, though, I think. It's a little more familiar, this place, I think. Okay. Yeah. I personally, I think I could live in a home where someone died. I mean, I lived in the house where dad passed away. I did refuse to go into that room for a very long time. But, yeah. Yeah. But then eventually, you know, mm-hmm. life goes on and you just kind of. Yeah. And it wasn't like he, he I guess technically he collapsed. No, he died. But they brought him back. Oh, maybe he, yeah. Yeah, and mom said he had a smile on his face. I don't know why I brought that up, but... I remember that. That was very, Yeah, it wasn't like a traumatic thing, you know? Yeah. Something like... It was traumatic. It was traumatic, but it wasn't... You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. It wasn't some sort of vicious murder. Yeah. I like, could not live in a home no. where there was a murder. Could not. We talk about energy all the time. Uh-uh. No, thank you. No, not at all. So, this home, there was a lot more than one life taken there. So, I, I definitely couldn't do that. But in any case, if you are not aware of who Herb Baumeister is, I'll briefly refresh your memory. I'm not going to go into detail because it really creeps me out. And I don't want to. Yeah, I don't I don't like talking about that stuff. But he was a married father of three and worked as a businessman. And in the early 90s, 
police investigating the disappearance the disappearance of gay men in Indianapolis were yeah. al- alerted to potential suspect who was none other than Herb. And one day while he was away on vacation, his wife allowed the police to search the home where they recovered the bodies of 11 men. When Herb found out that he was going to be arrested, he ran away to Canada and committed suicide without ever confessing to the crimes. He is suspected of murdering approximately 23 people. Now, Rob has to tell Vicky about the home and at mm-hmm. first, she's not so sure she wants to live in a home with such a dark past. But Vicky's a level-headed, down-to-earth gal. She has a career as a medical laboratory scientist. And being a scientist, and to quote her, she considered herself to be the biggest skeptic. And I think she's referring to things paranormal, you know? Yeah, no, she wasn't skeptical about <laughs> right. uh, the the atrocities that happened there, but that anything would, that would happen afterwards. Right. Although she's familiar with death and not necessarily afraid of ghosts, because like I said, skeptic, actually living in a location where vicious murders took place, that's very different. So this is something the couple has to really think about. But in the end, they decide to move forward with buying the home. And when they move in, frightening experiences begin to unfold. Their experience go as follows, beginning with Vicky. Vicky gets to cleaning the, ho- the home and decides to vacuum the area around the pool because of all of the debris that's, that over time has been tracked in. So she's, go, she goes downstairs, she plugs in the vacuum and gets to work. Then the vacuum stops and she realizes, oops, I must have tugged it a little too hard and it became unplugged. So she goes back, plugs it in and starts to vacuum again. But just moments later, the vacuum shuts off again. So she turns around yet again and she sees that it's unplugged. This one, though, the cord is about a foot away from the outlet. The first... Oh, sorry, Dana. So sorry. What happened? My cat bit me. Sorry. (laughs) Wednesday was sitting next to me and I was petting her, but she just wanted to bite me. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. I was like, oh my God, what happened? This, okay. So the first time she can explain it away, you know? Yeah. Sometimes that happens. But this time she's certain she did not pull it apart. Weird. But what can you do? When you don't see anyone around and you definitely are trying to stay in a logical mindset, you know, you just keep doing what you got to do. So she has this job to finish and she plugs it back in. But this time she feels the presence of someone nearby and she senses that whoever it is, they don't want her there. And the vacuum is again unplugged. Whatever is happening has only just begun, and Vicky is not the only one affected. Her husband, Rob, has a co-worker, Joe, that works at the car dealership with him. Joe lives about an hour away and is always late because of the horrendous traffic he runs into on a daily basis. So Rob suggests he comes to their house and check out the little apartment that's on the property to see if he'd be interested in it. Uh, mm. <laughs> Would you live would you live in an apartment on the property? Megan? I think I would be more likely to do that. I don't know why. 
But for some reason, because of the the separation, yeah, I would feel like, oh, okay, this is fine. Like, I would have to have that house cleansed, blessed, like, physically, like, clean to oblivion and spiritually clean to oblivion as well. Right. Now, if it were like this property, no. Absolutely not. No. Absolutely not. Yeah. So he tells this guy, his friend, Joe, about the property, and he suggests to him to come check it out. So he does. He'd be closer to work. He doesn't have to worry about the bumper-to-bumper commute. And Rob does share with Joe the home's history, but Joe feels comfortable knowing that the home has since been gutted and renovated since the incidents that had occurred in the past. And it makes him feel less reluctant about choosing to live there. So he agrees to the offer. Joe and his pup Fred move in. Moving day, as we all know, is super tiring. Oh, yeah. So after moving boxes on boxes on boxes up the stairs, Joe is bone tired and ready to rest. Now, Joe is not a big dreamer. And he usually doesn't even remember his dreams. I cannot imagine not dreaming. Dana, my dreams are freaking vivid and wild every night. I had a terrifying dream last night that I was like in something akin to scream. So, oh, God. Yeah, no. (laughs) That's scary. No. It's scary. Yeah. So his dream, he's dreaming this night. But this time. It's a really vivid one. Like I said, he doesn't usually have those vivid dreams. Now he's having one. In this one, he's running. And not an out of out for a little jog type of run. He's running as though he's afraid for his life. One fearful stride after another, Joe comes up to a point in the road where a man is standing in front of him. Joe slowly approaches the man whose back is towards him. When he does, the man turns looks into Joe's face, and yells, Run! This dream is so intense, Joe wakes up and runs right into the doorframe. Now we're going to go back to Vicky. Oh, God. Ouch, right? Right? To propel yourself from sleep to running it. I would have been like, no, I'm going back to bed. I can't. I can't do this. (laughs) Ray has had intense dreams like that. Like I've told you in the past. So I have never had one where I physically wake up and begin moving, you know? Yeah. Thank God. But, But now we're back with Vicky. And she's just getting home from work. And she's going to greet her hubby, Rob. She's admiring the work that he's accomplished outside. He's painting and just, you know, getting things a little in order. And as he's filling her in on what he's done, she can't help but notice something in the distance. It's a man. He has a red shirt on. And he's walking away from her towards the tree line. He can't take her eyes off of him. Because as she gets a closer look, she sees he does not have any legs. The man then disappears right in front of her. She Megan? Tells- yeah. No. I know, Dana. <laughs> I know. And even though it was like 
further in the distance. Like it wasn't like right next to her. Do you know how scary that would be? So, so freaking scary. She tells her husband and they go to investigate. He thinks it may just be someone intrigued by the property and just, you know, kind of wants to like peruse around it. But no, (laughs) not me. But it's like, oh, you know what? That person that you saw who had no legs, it must have been a little trespasser, a little, a little true crime aficionado. That does not, that does not, that does not quell any fears I have. In fact, I don't know what's worse, a ghost or a real life person creeping around my property. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Like a copycat person being like, I want this light. No, thank you. Right? But they go over there and they don't find anything, Dana. They don't find a thing. And Joe wants to be safe. So what he does is he decides to install cameras around the property. You know, because if there are people, curious people, he'll at least catch them in the act and tell them to get off the property. Yeah, I don't know. Right? Yeah. But we're back to poor Joe. This is after the the doorframe incident. He's in his kitchen now at the sink, just cleaning some dishes, and he hears someone knock on his door. He's drying his hands, you know, trying to get ready to head over to the door and answer it. But whoever's at the door is persistent, and they keep knocking. So Joe rushes over to open it. And when he does, he looks around down the staircase, down the into the yard, nothing. No one's there. Confused, he goes back inside. He sits down to relax, but notices something is moving behind him. So he turns and he looks, but again, nothing. Another night, Joe is taking Fred out for an evening walk. I love that his name is Fred. The dog? Little Freddy. Little Fred and Ferris. Right? <laughs> Yeah, so he's taking Fred out for a walk. He said he likes to do this on nights that are, like, really clear. And he's enjoying this time with Fred. But he hears some. He looks around. He doesn't see anything. But he knows he's not alone. And he knows he's not the only one hearing this. Because Fred heard it, too. And before Joe knows what Mm -hmm. to do, Fred is running towards the tree line where he can now see a man in a red shirt. No. The man then disappears into the trees. Now I'm sure Joe is pooping in his pantaloons. (laughs) But he needs to get Fred. So off he goes into the woods. Oh my God. Now Ferris got out like last weekend from a a person's backyard and... There was like a little, a minor, a minor gap in the fence. And he's like, he's like, oh, what's this? And was trotting along. I was inside because Abby was out there playing in the backyard. And I'm washing some dishes. And Abby calls him like, I'll be with you in one minute. She says, no, now Sarah's got out. So I run out. It's cold. I'm barefoot running down this cul-de-sac trying to find him. And he's like, this is such a fun game. (laughs) I was stressed out in that moment. Not in a deep, dark woods where I saw a man in a red shirt. Dane, I 100% would not have followed him. I would have just sat down. 
this? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But see, we, this is a, a guy, you know? And yes. That, that you see walking into the woods. I don't feel as though I would be equipped to, because I don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he has back there. I don't know what's going on. I don't feel equipped to, like, fight this guy off or even see what's going on. Fred can go and do his private investigation and come back when he's done. Yeah. So, Joe, and it's bedtime. No, yeah. I don't see anything. So Joe's in the woods calling for Fred. When he comes face to face with the man in the red shirt, he later tells Vicky and they agree they've seen the same man. I don't know if this is the same night or a few nights later, but Joe is now in bed sleeping when he's jolted awake by a knock on his front door again. So he calls out to whomever he thinks is there and nobody's replying, but the knocking intensifies. And he can see the door actually moving because of the intensity of the knocking. He knows somebody's on the other side. And this guy is so brave because he goes over there and opens the door. When he does, there isn't a soul on the other side. But the door knocker is still stretched out as though he just interrupted an impending knock. And as he looks at it, it falls to wrap one last time. No. Even though he can't see anyone nearby, he feels like he's being watched. So he runs back inside and comforts Fred. Or Fred comforts him, I'm not sure. But in the midst of comforting Fred, Fred begins to bark at him. (laughs) And then they hear the doorknob turning very slowly so slowly it creates a sort of creaking sound joe is watching frozen in time and fear as the door literally busts open with pieces of it flying all around the room and on the other side of the door is a man heavily breathing with the look of fear on his face that joe will never forget he said he looked as though he'd been running away from something And in the show I watched about this incident, the man in the reenactment was drenched in water and screams so loud. It was so scary, Dana. Joe believes that what he's witnessed was the ghost of one of Herb's victims. And he thinks they may be asking for help. (laughs) Joe, Vicky, and Rob begin to do research and ask the local news station for some of their old footage about the property and about the crimes yeah. that committed there. And while they're watching these videos, a picture of one of the victims comes onto the screen. Joe has them pause the video and looks at it, realizing it is the man who was in his apartment the other night. It's not the red shirt man or it's a different man? I think it was a different man. Because oh. he didn't say anything about, like, Vicky saying, yeah, that's the same guy, you okay. know? So I think it was a different man. Another night, Joe has his friend Jeremy over his house, and they decide to go for a swim in the pool with Vicky's kids. So they're just playing around and swimming to the bottom of the pool. They're picking up bugs that had sunk to the floor of the pool when Joe feels fingers around his neck, choking him. 
Absolutely not. Jeremy sees him panicking and everyone gets out of the pool that instant because now they're all freaking out. But what? Is guy out of the pool with a choking man? What? Is choking out of the pool? Yeah, after he's been after he's been choked he gets out of the pool too okay i thought he was like they're like oh my god he's choking get out of the pool and i was like you left him alone no 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 uh, why are you afraid of the dark yeah no no (laughs) no what scares joe even more is knowing that herb did in fact choke his victims i was gonna say if i recall correctly that is one of the the methods yeah On a later occasion, he was home on his computer when he hears the sound of scraping. So he gets up and he looks at the wall where he hears the sound coming from. And he can see that someone has scraped marks onto his wall with what looks like had probably been a knife. (laughs) So he decides to try and get proof of whoever is in his apartment. So he shuts off all noise-producing items that he has in the house, and he begins to record. He asks if there's anyone there. He gets no response. Thank God. But then Fred starts barking. When he goes back to listen, he hears himself ask, Is anyone here with us tonight? Who keeps walking in the kitchen? And you can clearly hear a voice say, the married one, convincing him that since Herb tended to go after young single men, it had to be Herb himself on the Absolutely not. Yes. (laughs) I couldn't stay. I'd be like, well, okay. I was like, if it was just regular ghost, that's fine, but not not murder ghost. Yeah, no. No. Yeah. So all of these experiences began, like I said, in 2006. And as, as of the documentary I watched, mm-hmm. still occur. Still? Still happening. Do they still live? As of the documentary, they did. Oh, uh, cool. But on the property, Joe had even discovered a human bone just lying on the property among the trees. And at the time of the documentary, the bone had not yet been identified. Police in the past had found 55,000 bones on the property. How? 55,000. You just kind of run on by there. Yeah. Isn't that just absolutely insane? I just don't understand how this went on for, like, how he got away with so much. No. I don't know. But. While I was researching this, I came across an article from just last year. No, just this year, actually. And it was talking about how the FBI, through the SAKI, so SACI grant, stands for, it stands for Sexual Assault Investigation Grant. Okay. Has recently accumulated money and resources to help identify remains that are still on the Fox Hollow Farm property. And I'm sorry, pause. Mm -hmm. Remains are still on the property. Well, I mean, you have to think like if they. Okay, they don't know where these remains are, but it's fun to help find the remains and identify them. I I think so. 
Because well, they be like, no, no, I think you need to remove these bodies and put them into a proper, you know. Well, I'm thinking like, you know, because I think what it means is like, you know how Joe was just out in the woods and he found a bone there. Yeah. So, you know, they could be in places that you just don't expect. But they don't know where they are. They're saying they're, they're looking for the bodies. They don't know where they are. I think, Dana. Or it could be the ones that they found because I don't think they've, like I said, they, 11 have been identified, right? Is that what I yeah. said? There's 11 and a 5, but he's presumed to have killed 23. 23. So I wonder, he was known as, I remember him now, he was known as the I-70 killer. And so I think they're saying, I think the 23 is presumed are probably the 12 people who went missing around that time who fit the victim profile. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, the property is huge. So I do not doubt because, well, actually, they've already identified one victim and have been able to notify the family and offering them at least some sort of just a little bit of closure, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that was the the story I had for you today. Sorry. It was kind of me. I, understandably so but i feel i feel i i hope that those victims get the peace they deserve and me too of like that they are able to rest and i hope that all of those who have yet to be identified will soon be identified and of all people moving in there it seems like the right family did yeah you know what i mean because She's not sensationalizing it, it seems like. No, not at all. And they seem to be like, okay, let's try and figure this out and help the victims that are still there. There. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I thank you for bringing that to our attention in a, a nice way. I can't think of the word. In a respectable. Oh, thank you, Dana. That's the way I would hope for it to be done. Yes. Because people like him don't need any more attention. The victims do. Yes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> well, as we said in the beginning, mine Bye. is the second part of the Sherman Ranch, a.k.a. the Skinwalker Ranch. So a little recap for you all. In part one, we talked about the ranch in Utah where the Shermans had owned the ranch for only two years before selling it off to a man with the last name Bigelow. Jay referred to him as Bigelow throughout this whole thing. And they had experienced many incidents on there with orbs, wolf-like creatures, Strange sounds and sightings, things going missing, cattle mutilation. And the last thing I talked about was they had four bulls on the property still after they moved out. Because they moved out. Bigelow owned the property. But they were able to keep some of their bulls on there for the time being. And Terry Sherman worked, like, oversaw a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the bulls went missing. Whose wife said, wouldn't it be so weird if something happened to them 
And then 45 minutes later, they were missing and they were found in like a trance. And the bars in their pen were magnetized for a short period of time afterward. That's so strange. Right? So that was... Let's see what... One second. So that was in April of that year, which I think is 97, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 97. So we're picking up the same year. We're also in... We're in June now. Oh, so Bigelow's there with his, his organization that he's created called NIDS or NIDSCI, which is the National Institute for Discovery Science. So they're there doing research still. We talked about it last last part, but just in case, I'm, I bring it up a lot here. So. Okay. A reminder. So one of the researchers sees this blue orb the size of a basketball it's 75 yards away from this researcher named Kellehern and a Canadian researcher who goes unnamed in these reports they see this blue orb and then it quickly disappears the researchers used a high power beam and night vision goggles to look in the surrounding area to see if they could find any trace of the blue orb or anything like that could have been left behind by said blue orb. Suddenly, the Canadian researcher, who was not named, as I said, suddenly spots something with his binoculars. He said, there's a large black thing in the tree ahead of them moving north. Kelleher tried to find the object himself to take a picture of it, but he was unable to find it or take a picture of it. Suddenly, the Canadian researcher shouted out, and I quote, got me. <gasps> it's saying, we are watching. Callahan could still not see it. And the other researcher kept saying, it was large and it blotted out all of the stars in the view of the binoculars behind it. And when he came to, he told Callahan that he had, that the office had taken control of his mind and had given him that message. And so, the next major incident that happened with NIDS took place on August 26, 1997, around 2.30. On this night, two researchers noticed a yellow light about 100 feet under a bluff that overlooked the property. And this area was well known to researchers because it was actually a place where one of the researchers was doing meditation earlier. Because there was a rumor that had been going around the research group that meditating could bring on some sort of event, which I'm guessing they felt kind of that if the aliens or other unexplained, you know, an unknown entity was watching, it would maybe be more keen on someone was doing, like, I'm allowing you into my mind type thing, maybe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm a little more confused on that, but why that would co correlate, but it did. Either way, one of the researchers went to take a picture of it while the other one was watching with infrared goggles. While the one with the goggles was watching, he said that it came into focus as more than just an orb, but it was like an appearance of a tunnel opening just above the ground. And he saw a <clears throat> faceless black humanoid creature over six feet tall and over 400 pounds emerged from it 
and move off into the darkness. Oh. How he is not screaming and crying is beyond me. And another thing, how could he tell the height and weight from, like, binoculars? I mean, you know, trajectory and, like, angles like that. But still, how he was not freaking out and crying is another reason why I am not a paranormal investigator or researcher. And the other one who didn't have the goggles or binoculars, he said he did not see the light appearing to be a tunnel or any faceless unknown entity. But instead, he said a simple, dull light until it disappeared slowly. A simple, dull light? Yeah. So he's like, I didn't like the guy with the goggles said, I looked at it in the goggles, came into focus, and it looked like a tunnel and something came out of it. And the guy with the goggles said, it was just like a glowing orb, like it slowly dulled until it disappeared. And so they went to the area to investigate. And when they went there, they smelled sulfuric scent, like sulfur. Like, and they said they used a nard alert machine, which is one of those machines that you may know that you see that clicks and emits noise when detecting radiation ra- waves. Okay. So they're using this. They're using this. And it detects alpha, beta, gamma, and X-ray radiation that slowly fades away. And of course, like anything having to do with the supernatural and unknown, the photos, once developed, were of seriously bad quality. (laughs) Another well-known incident that happened was one that involved the cameras that had been set up in July of 1997 in a particular part of the property that was known to have more activity than the others. And more than a year later, at 8.30 p.m., three of the cameras simultaneously were damaged and, like, turned off. And when they went to look at the cameras to see what caused them to stop working, they noticed that all of the wires had been ripped out. And strangely enough, the other cameras in the area that faced where the damage had the damaged cameras had been caught nothing at all. Oh. What? Like, oh. Yeah. So the NIDS investigation lasted for six years in total, from 1996 until 2002, with research taking place on the ranch and the Uninta Basin as well, with one neighbor saying that he too experienced cattle mutilation on his property and terry sherman basically saying if i'm crazy then so is he but on the other hand at least four other neighbors said they believe the shermans made up the entire the entirety of their experience oh wow Mm -hmm. and that period of time in 1997 was the most activity that nids reported on during their time researching those six years and after 1999, especially, there was little of note reported at all. And in 2002, they stopped researching there, and NIDS as a whole disbanded in 2006, with Bigelow saying that if the need did in fact arise for NIDS to reform with new researchers, he would be open to doing that. But the majority of the research from the full duration of NIDS is still kept with Bigelow himself and has not been made public. I wonder why. I don't know. He, he Remember, he's like a billionaire dude who's doing this. Mm-hmm. Now, with NIDS leaving in 2002, 
most buzz around the ranch kind of died down until 2005 when a book was published entitled Hunt for the Skinwalker. And when this book was published, it caught the eye of many people, including a man named James A. Lekatsky. And Lekatsky actually worked for the U.S. government as a scientist for the defense agency, which when I saw this, I was like, if you who works in defense is like, this piques my interest. I need to know why. What do you know, sir? So anyway, the book is published. Lekatsky actually reaches out to Bigelow about visiting the ranch. And while he was there, he witnessed strange yellow spectral objects, which Bigelow himself did not see. But Lekatsky said, nope, I'm convinced of the truth. With this information, Bigelow contacts another government official, senator from Nevada, named Harry Reid. And he's basically like, hey, I have someone from the defense sector saying this is a real deal. And Reid's like, I, too, am also interested in it. <laughs> now, this led to something known as the Advanced Aerospace Weapons System Application Program. Woo! Or, or also, <laughs> which is basically the more secretive predecessor of NITS. Oh, and may I mention, OSAP was government-funded. Interesting. Because NIDS, like I said before, was funded and created by Bigelow, who's a billionaire as it is. But OSAP was government-funded. Because I don't super love this, because when OSAP was formed, it then contracts out to the newly created Bigelow Aerospace Advanced System Studies, or BAP, which is just making a billionaire more rich. But hmm. so mm-hmm. like, they have this government-funded program, and they're like, you know what? We'll use this billionaire's program. We'll, we'll contract with him. So BAS was designed to investigate UFO and other paranormal events and places all around the world, but especially that of Skinwalker Ranch. The Bass OSAP investigation was funded by the Defense Intelligence Agency, and it was funded $22 million. What? It was funded $22 million, and it had a staff of somewhere around 50 people, and it ran from 2008 to 2010. So, you know, just $11 million per year, give or take. Whoa. Yeah. Now, during this time, there was a lot of strange events and occurrences, with a large part of this research being kept secret for many years. But some of this information has come out in recent years, as recently as 2021, with a book entitled Skinwalkers in the Pentagon, which sounds like a remake, or what is it called, when they took, like, Full House and made it into Fuller House. What was that called? A reboot. A, a reboot. reboot. Mm-hmm. So Skinwalkers in the, in the Pentagon reminds me of a reboot of <laughs> Aliens Don't Wear Braces. <laughs> like that strange book series? Yeah, like, there's Skinwalkers in like, the, the Pentagon. So true. And the book is actually all about the government and UFO projects that have been kept under wraps. And we know for, like, 
legit fact that the Pentagon released papers on UFO things recently. So it's not as far-fetched as we would hope to believe. And now with things in the sky, I'm like, well, oh, another day, another alien. Right. And in this book, the authors detail some new phenomena that has befallen the area and also those who visited the area, like one thing called the hitchhiker effect. Now, like I said, this is something that seems to happen after someone visits the ranch itself. According to the book, there was a large amount of people who visited the ranch during the two years that OSAP was there, and they experienced witnessing something. And when they left, they experienced or witnessed things that were similar to what happened at the ranch, like orbs happening, things being misplaced in strange ways, and viewing wolf-like creatures. Mm. Basically, what happens at the ranch does not stay at the ranch. Mm-hmm. At the ranch, the anti-Vegas. And more on an even creepier level, the hitchhiker effect, comparable to a virus, had the ability to spread to friends and families of individuals who visited when they themselves had not visited. Oh, no. That's like saying you go visit it and then you, you see me and then I experience things. Like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't choose to go. You'd be pissed. I'd be so mad. You'd be like, are you kidding me, Megan? But yet, there was nothing that was concrete enough to make any scientific breakthrough on the matter. All these things that happened, there was nothing that was hard evidence for, like, scientific explanation for anything. There was nothing enough that could, that could hold, you know? Yeah. And since the 90s, the Sherman family has since moved away from the area. And despite all that has happened, or maybe not despite, but because of all that happened, they actually rarely choose to speak about the ranch and all that has occurred there during their time. They, they don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. And in 2016, the ownership of the ranch passed, a lo- passed on to... In 2016, Bigelow actually sold the ranch to the real estate company, Adam Antian. And unlike the condition when the Shermans bought it and had to tell the owners what they wanted to dig, the only condition that Bigelow had was that research on the land would still continue. And that's exactly what happened. And it's continued to happen. Research continues on, and it's even being documented on a History Channel show called The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch that premiered in 2020. I have a question. Mm-hmm. You said a real estate company bought it. Yeah. So is it still the real estate company that owns it now? Yes. Okay. So it's headed by this man named Brandon Fugel. And he said the company that owned it. And they actually have researchers there still. And they're doing the work on that's being like recorded with the show, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And like before, there's nothing that has been found yet that is unexplainable by scientific standards and no hard evidence. But Brandon Fugel is certain that there's definitely something worth researching there. Ooh. And even though there have been many research teams that have been there in the past um, and continue to reside here, they continue to do so until they can find something that can be proven. More than first-hand experiences, low-quality pictures or films, readings on instruments, or plaster casts of molds. And even then, 
this is only the limited amount of information they've released. We know that there is more out there, but we don't know if it's less likely or more likely to prove something. We don't know that aspect because we know Bigelow has stuff. And obviously, they're going to research things and not be like, here's what we found immediately, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, we're going to pick apart some things and show devil's advocate of a lot of these things, okay? Mm-hmm. So, most of the original sightings and reports from the previous part one and all the Sherman stuff took place in the book I mentioned, Hunt for the Skinwalker, that came out in 2005. And obviously, we know there were some newspaper articles with the Shermans. But the two authors of the book apparently never interviewed the Sherman family themselves when writing the book, to the point where the Sherman family was unaware the book even existed until it was published. Whoa. Which goes into the fact that the Shermans weren't really ones to talk about it. And Terry Sherman was actually quoted in a book later in 2010. It was called Utah UFOs. By Frank B. Salisbury. Uh, the, I don't know if that's the exact title, but Frank B. Salisbury is the author of this book about UFOs. Mm-hmm. And Terry Sherman was quoted as saying, the stories in the book, The Hunt for the Skinwalker, aren't entirely accurate. They only, quote, resemble a true experience of what happened. But he's never elaborated on what the resemblance is and what the differences exactly were and what was truly right in the book what was wrong what was a little bit off or way off you know yeah and salisbury did in fact sit down with terry to talk about the book so he got terry's pov and he also worked with some ufo experts to dive into the matter further and kind of to see both sides of it because in this book salisbury also interviewed garth myers who was the brother and brother-in-law to kenneth and Edith Myers, who were the ones who owned the ranch before the Sherman family, so we talked about. Mm-hmm. And since the ranch is apparently the central point for the unexplained, Salisbury wanted to dive into that more. And if that was the case, why didn't the Myers ever experience anything at all during the 60 years they owned the land? Yeah. And since the Myers passed away before their names were tied into the lore of the ranch, we can't be 100% sure Either way, if they saw something and mm-hmm. never reported it or just didn't see anything at all. We don't know. We'll never fully know. Mm-hmm. Because the story goes that they bought the ranch in the 50s and then mysteriously left in 87 where it stayed uninhabited for seven years until the Shermans bought it in, a st- in the state of disrepair we saw in part one. And Garth Myers, the brother, said no. The ranch was actually bought in the 30s, not the 50s. And it wasn't seriously abandoned in 87, but Kenneth died in 87. And Edith lived there for five years on her own. And the ranch was only uninhabited for two years, not Mm -hmm. seven. So, and he said the house wasn't that fortified as the Sherman's let on. And the chains weren't for guard dogs. because Edith only had a three-legged dog for a short period of time. Oh, And when Edith died in 1994, Garth and his sister took control until they sold it to the Sherman family. And Garth said that there was unequivocally and absolutely nothing happening on the ranch while Edith and Kenneth lived there. But others associated with them have claimed that things did happen, 
They said the Myers did, in fact, experience similar things like mutilated cattle and strange sights along the land and people who would knock on their door and then disappear. Oh, that's terrifying. Also, apparently there was like one throwaway line that a worker on the land was abducted. What? Said, what? And I'm like, maybe he just like disappeared or fell and got hurt. Because it's like a huge plot of land. And I'm like, what happened to the worker? We don't know. Uh, we don't know. We don't know. Throw in this worker. I said, who is this worker? When did he go missing? Why are we assuming aliens? Oh, dear. Um, and a clerk in town in the town store said that Edith did, in fact, have a few UFO stories. And Garth was a known skeptic. And Salisbury thought that maybe Kenneth and Edith never told him out of fear that he wouldn't believe them. But Garth denied it and said they were very close. And he himself worked on the ranch as a teen. And he even told Bigelow when he bought the ranch from the Shermans that nothing had ever happened. Like, Bigelow reached out to him, like, anything you know? And he's like, no, nothing ever happened. But Bigelow said, you're a liar. It was not the first time that Bigelow was angry and refused to believe something that wasn't there. So people think that maybe, like, his workers made up the experiences they had to, like, boost his morale and his feelings. Whose workers? Bigelow, the billionaire, who okay for a while, because he's when he reached out to Garth. Garth was like, no. And Bigelow said, you're wrong. Sorry. And then Garth also made a point very similar to what I brought out in um, part one about how the Meyer said, if you dig anything on the land, because there apparently is a thing called mineral rights that like is not that uncommon that being like i have the right to certain things so if you dig xyz i don't know how that transfers over with purchase of the land maybe there's something in the clause about that but apparently mineral rights is a thing that is legitimate and most some people know about but still someone else said that kenneth myers is always kind of weird about digging in certain places So, once again, two sides of the weird coin. So, when it comes down to it, there's basically three things that people say are happening. Actually, four things that are happening at at Skinwalker Ranch. That everything is a hoax that was orchestrated by the the Shermans to sell the property when things weren't going well. But, and that he was covering up the death and mutilation with something else. Like, he wasn't killing us, but something else was killing them. But he was using that as an excuse mm-hmm. that he was delusional about it all and like having a break from reality and that he misidentified things that had happened there and it got too far away from him or for that Skinwalker Ranch, Sherman Ranch is actually a hot spot for UFO Megan, what do you think it is? I don't know. There's so many different sides here. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm wondering when you said Bigelow said, you're a liar. Yeah. I'm wondering if Bigelow was saying, you're a liar. Cause like, I've had experiences here, or like, I know people have had experiences here. Yeah. Whatever. Or if it was because like, you're a liar, I'll show you. Like, yeah. Some- I think it might be like a both thing, like a, a double thing. Like, He's like, I believe in it so much that I'm going to prove you right, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wrong. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to prove myself right and you wrong. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, you're correct. But I think also he's, like, really into this to the point that he's had, like, these three, like, research event things, you know? And the place is still under research with that show on History Channel. And, like, like I said in the first part, completely, like, fenced off and no trespassing, X, Y, Z. No, the the government, the government organization that was started. Ah, during, <laughs> all set. Are they, they disbanded after two years? Yeah, I, that... I don't know if they're still, that's actually a really good point. I did not look up. I don't know if they're still like there, like if they're still a thing. Mm-hmm. Now, did they come about specifically to investigate the that ranch so it looks like they're still a thing maybe they're not maybe they're not actually but did they were they created specifically to i think they were i think what i got from the documentary i watched was they were created in part to the ranch i don't think fully okay because that's very interesting. I would like to know what they were shown. The government, what the government was shown or told that they decided, hey, you know what? We will spend a ton of money and pour it Millions into of dollars. Yeah, pour it into this. I mean, you have to have some sort of proof in order for them to like really put an interest in whatever you have. Yeah. So I don't know. No, yeah. So, what about you? There it is. Um, I think it's a combination of both. I feel that like some things could probably be easily explained, explained and some things cannot. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and there's a possibility that the Shermans. Wait, were they the first ones? The Shermans, the Myers are the ones who lived there for thirty years, and the Shermans are the ones who reported everything for the two years. The the big the, the big. Who was there for the 60 years or whatever? The Myers. The Myers. Myers. Okay. Maybe the Myers didn't experience anything. Yeah. And maybe it started after. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what happened. Like, we don't know what was on the land, what anything was, you know? Right. We'll just have to go there and see for ourselves. Oh, yeah. Totally. Let's, you know, go to (laughs) the and be like, hi, private property? Great. Aliens? Mm, love it. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dana, I really thoroughly enjoyed that one. Like I one. appreciate I, I appreciate you telling me. Thank you. Hopefully next week will be just a simple pimple of an episode for me. Nothing, <laughs> no, no two-parters again. One can hope. But until then, everyone, we hope that you have a really great week. We hope that good things happen to you. And that there's nothing else happening in the skies or in the land in the USA right now. You can find us spiraling on Instagram at Scary Sisters Pod, at Twitter, which we seldom use, but we're still, we're still there for now, at Scary Sisters Pod. And you can email us your spiraling takes as well. And any other fun paranormal spooky things or just chit chat or questions, concerns at our email which is scary sisters pod at email.com until then everyone stay safe and stay spooky love you bye